We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 18th, 2009. And this is going to be part two of our inauguration abomination or abomination study that we're doing. I'm going, to, I'm going to finish the last verse. I'm trying to keep these under a minute 15 for people that want to record these on CDs. And I understand there are CDs, evidently, that you can buy that are even a little bit longer than that. But I'll, I'll try to be cognizant of that so I can do that. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's what I'm trying to do today in regard to this study. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, the time has come, it is here, we are firmly in the middle of it. They are not enduring sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth, and shall be turned into fables. And that's exactly what's going on. In the pulpits, with a lot of whoever you want to idolize or worship or follow whether it's a rock star, whether it's a sports star, whether it's some guru out there, happens in many different flavors, you know. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. 1 Timothy 4.1. So that's another verse that kind of, kind of relates to this um, uh, particular subject. Also, Matthew twenty four twenty four. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And this is another big reason why we do this, so we're not deceived, so that we're not destroyed for lack of knowledge, like Hosea uh, four six talks about. Second Corinthians two eleven says, "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." We're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices. That's not something that you know. Ignorance is not bliss. Okay, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Okay, so again, we are supposed to be wise to the ways of the devil. doesn't mean we participate in those ways, but we want to be wise so we can avoid the snares of the devil. If, you don't, if you're walking along and you don't know a snare is there, and you don't know there's anything wrong with it, and you step into it and you get taken by the snare, well, you've just been destroyed for lack of knowledge. You didn't know about that device of Satan. So this is, again, this is a little bit biblical. Because I get people emailing me, oh, just bless God, preach the gospel, that's all you got to do. Well, you know what? There's different callings for different people. And I do try to incorporate the gospel into every single teaching. I do try to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But my primary calling is not an evangelist, but a watchman. And if the watchman see the sword come into the city and warn not the city, then their blood will be required at the watchman's hands. I don't really want your blood required at my hands. I'll be honest with you. I mean, would you want people's blood required at your hands? So I'm compelled not only because I care about my listeners and, and, and you know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Do I love you enough to tell you the truth? Okay, these are, these are things to think about. But I, I'm also compelled out of the fear of God. You know, if I don't do this, and the Bible also says to whom much is given, much is required. So, the more you're given by God, the more you're required of God. This ministry right now has exploded, and I mean, I'm, I'm like overwhelmed. And I'm doing it all myself, so it's, it's a lot. But, you know, the Lord gave it to me. Am I going to sit around and complain about what God's given me? 
No, I'm, I, I know that, you know, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So these are the things that need to be going through our head, verses like this. And, and when, we, when we get into situations or when we get into these types of things, you know, pray that the Holy Spirit will bring these things into remembrance. The Lord Jesus Christ promised this would be so. When, the, when he sends the comfort, he's going to cause all things that he's taught to be brought into remembrance. Hey, and, and, and get into Scripture, memorize Scripture, these types of things. Because we're going to need it. Regarding the times we're moving into, we need it now. Um, it's not something you want to try to start when times get really, really dark. You want to be prepared before going into battle. You want to have the armor on before going into battle. You don't want to go into battle naked and say, well, you know what, I think I'm going to put my armor on now, and I think I'm going to get right with God now. Uh-uh. That's not the order. So, going further, this uh, Bishop Robinson gay guy said that his prayer will be reflective of the times. He quote says, quote, I think these are sober and difficult times that we're facing. Well, it's about the only thing I've agreed with that he said. And then he says, he said, it won't be a happy, clappy prayer. Whoa, how profound. It won't be a happy, clappy prayer? Wow, what about a frumpy, dumpy prayer? I mean, I, I mean, come on, no happy, clappy? Come on. So anyway, sorry. Um, Romans 1, 28 through 31 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now, this is mo- mostly in regard to those that became unthankful. And then it goes on to talk about men burning after men and women after women. And they became reprobate. Okay? Well, it says in that context, And even as they, primarily regarding sodomites, if you, if you look at the context of that chapter, is they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. The last thing that a sodomite wants to retain in their knowledge is a holy God. Because what they're doing is so polar opposite, so unholy, the last thing they want to think about is the Word of God or, or the Scriptures or God. Okay, so as, as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. See, God will give you over to a reprobate mind. If you stay in sin long enough, and you keep rejecting the Lord long enough, He'll give you over to a reprobate mind. And once you're given over to a reprobate mind, I don't think there's there's any hope. Um, I don't see there being scriptural precedents where it talks about those that were of a reprobate mind got right with God and got saved. There comes a time in the Bible, and this is hardly ever preached, ever, but if you go to Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah 14, uh, you, you look at this verse in Romans, and then you look at 1 John chapter 5, where it says, if you see them sin a sin unto death, I say that you shall not pray for it. It talks about in Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, and Jeremiah 14, where they had done all these abominable things, they had made cakes to the queen of heaven, which is the modern day Mary. They had sacrificed their children. They had done all this under the name of God in the temple, under religion. And God finally says, do not pray for this people because I will not hear your prayer anymore. They're done. They've been given over. They've crossed the line. Where that line is, I don't know. That's between them and God. Okay, but he says, they've been given over to a reprobate mind. Now, if there's anybody on the planet that's been given over to a reprobate mind, it's the sodomites. I'm sorry. I, I don't think there's any more debased thing you could do other than if like you were uh, other than if you were like a sodomite pedophile. Now, it's a proven fact that it's like 30% of all pedophiles are also homosexuals, which is very disproportionate considering based on statistics, I believe it's like 3% of the population or 2% is homosexual. Why then is 30% of all pedophiles 
and, and, and it's a rough estimate, 30% of all pedophiles homosexuals. It's disproportionately high. It's because of the perverseness. And it's because if you stay and you stay in Satan's kingdom, like I said, it's never going to be enough. You're always going to want to do more and more and more debauched things. Well, man laying with a child is more debauched than man laying with man. Okay? So this is their big give it over a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It's like they're storing up wrath for God. It's like their vessels fitted for God's destruction. Okay? And these are exact quotes from the Bible I'm giving you. And they're in the New Testament. Okay? So... To do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, and we're going to talk about that, in a, not in detail, but we're going to talk about that and how, how the sodomites are planning these things in conjunction with this uh, inauguration. Notice it mentions fornication first, men burning after men, women burning after women, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, deceit, malignity, like a malignant tumor, Whispers, now it doesn't mean a cancerous tumor, but malignity, being full of just evil and death, essentially. Whispers, backbiters, haters of God. There's no, there's no sect of society that hates God, I believe, more than the Sodomites. I just don't believe it. Look at how vehement, look at how they will come out of the woodwork when, you know, there's any type of Christian thing that would be pro protesting against them. There's... There's no greater sect of society, I think, that, that, that you can see the hate of God in them than, than, the, uh, than the sodomites, and the homosexuals, bisexuals, transgendered, whatever thing that they're into. Robinson is not a friend of God, this bishop guy, gay guy. He is ashamed of the gospel and uncomfortable praying a Christian prayer, though the entire world may be watching. Matt Barber, director of the Cultural Affairs with Liberty Alliance Action and Liberty Council, states, quote, It is a shame that President-elect Obama apparently has so little regard for his Christian constituents. Well, whatever there, but uh, I just think that, you know, Christian constituents, most of that would be, you know, like, lukewarm Christian constituents. But, so little regard for his Christian constituents that he would give such a high place of honor to a self-styled man of God whose only claim to fame is that he abandoned his wife and his children to enter loudly and proudly into a sexually deviant lifestyle of homosexuality expressly condemned by the very Bible he ironically calls holy and sacred. I don't know if he calls the Bible holy and sacred. He called the God of many understandings and other things holy and sacred. I don't think he would... Yes, I'm sure if you asked him to his face, but if you asked him in private, he doesn't hold the Bible holy and sacred. I'm sure he thinks it's more full of holes than Swiss cheese. That's his justification for his sin. Probably believes in Darwinism. We evolved from a rock. Well, hey, if that's the case, then, then anything goes. You know, eat, drink today, be married before we die tomorrow. That's how they view things a lot of times. I wouldn't be surprised if the guy's an atheist. So, um, but again, if these Christian constituents really cared, why isn't there, like, the most gigantic uprising you've ever seen within the Christian churches today? Well, hey, we got these super churches. Surely they'll take a stand. Have you heard a peep from any of that? I haven't. I'm sorry I haven't. Why aren't they marching on Washington? and, and try, or, or why didn't they do it preemptively? Why weren't there, you know... No, there wasn't. I'm not saying nobody, I'm not indicting every single 
Christian, okay, so please don't, I'm talking about in general. If the people that call themselves Christians in this country and really were born again, true born again, well, this stuff wouldn't even be happening. But there's not enough salt and light in America anymore to prevent, and again, I know the Bible says it's going to happen. The Bible clearly predicts we're going into dark times. And, and, um, but we still need to keep fighting. Barbara continues, Gene Robinson is little more than a radical homosexual activist in clergyman's clothing. Well, good for him. I'm glad he said that. Uh, in fact, his heretical rebellion against God's express natural order, coupled with his selfish refusal to surrender his pulpit, has almost single-handedly devastated the U.S. Episcopal Church. Isn't that pitiful? He won't surrender his pulpit. <laughs> you know what? That's, number one, that shouldn't even be his choice. That guy should have been railroaded out so long ago it wasn't even funny. But the thing is, is single-handedly devastated the Episcopal Church, please. They were already leaven a long, long time ago. Okay? The, a man like this is Satan's gift to the apostate, liberal, 501c3, corporate Episcopal Church whore. He's Satan's gift. That's how I pretty much view it. Here you go. Here's what you asked for. Well, we really didn't ask for. Sure you did. Sure you did. You know, the, uh, just do nothing. Satan will give you what you want. He, he'll give you what you don't want. Just do nothing. Just do nothing. Just sit back in the pew and warm it. It's not everybody else's fault. You know, don't get right with God. Don't pray about it. Don't do anything. Just stay where you're at. And Yeah. You have to fight for these things. You know, these are things you have to fight for. Okay, and I don't mean going out taking a gun and blowing somebody's head off. Okay, I'm talking fighting on your knees, fighting, educating people, asking the Lord to open the doors for you, these types of things. You know, that's how I got this ministry. I, I asked the Lord for it a long time ago. This was my desire. He gave it to me. It's it's a it's a tremendous responsibility um, at this point, particularly. <laughs> Uh, with how it's it's grown. And I praise the Lord for that. And how long he's going to let that continue, I really don't know. Okay, but, you know, if you really are seeking after righteousness and truth and these types of things, the Lord's not going to give you a stone when you, you know, if you ask for a piece of bread. So, if we go further, um, the selections of Robinson and Watkins round out a group of theologically divisive diversive ministers who will play prominent roles during Barack Obama's inauguration. Oh, let me say this also. I thank every one of you out there that are praying for me because I know I get a lot of emails from people that are saying they're praying for me fervently. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if I didn't have that prayer base, I would have probably been destroyed a long time ago. Now, I want to give the Lord Jesus Christ the credit, but we're the body of Christ and some are called to evangelize, and some are called to be prayer warriors, and some are called to do this and that. Can the eye say to the finger, depart, I have no need of thee? We're all important in our own different ways. The Bible's very clear in that. So that's why I tell people, don't get down on yourself if you're not doing the exact same thing another person's doing. Or you don't feel, you know, the Bible says there's many that are going to be in heaven, and many that are last will be first in heaven. And that the Bible says, aspire, the, the, let those that are greatest among you let him aspire to be your servant. It, 
greatest among you, let him be your servant? Yeah, that's what it says. Uh-huh, that's what it says. I am striving to be your servant by doing this. And I really am. I am striving to be your servant. I like helping people. I mean, you know, I didn't like the years that I was deceived in, in, in going to hell particularly. I look back on that and I, I take offense to it. I really do. I take offense to where the devil was taking me. So I want to help as many people not go to hell and many people get right with the Lord and see the truth as I can before the Lord takes me out of here. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I thank you for, for all, for all your prayers, the, uh, the donations that have come in. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, uh, for that. Uh, cause sometimes I can't thank everybody personally. Um, so if we go further, let's see here. Uh, the, the selections of Robinson and Watkins round out a group of theologically diversive Ministers who will play prominent role during Barack Obama's inauguration. Evangelical pastor Rick Warren will deliver the invocation during the inaugural ceremony. I mean, there's more invocations here. How many demons are they going to invoke? <laughs> a real boatload, I'm sure. A, a choice that riled some Obama supporters because of Warren's opposition to same-sex marriage. Oh, please. While Reverend Joseph Lowry, another reverend here, a black Methodist civil rights activist will give the benediction. Some other liberal preacher. Uh, this is from... Now, I think this information is from... Uh, partly... Yeah, it's from Repent America. I spliced this in here because it was appropriate. On January 20th, the inauguration of President-elect Barack Obama and Vice President Joe Biden will usher in a new political system of sentiments and policies that drift increasingly further from the biblical beliefs and principles adhered to by our nation's founding fathers and far away from God. Well, all the founding fathers weren't that great. Okay, sorry. But see my, see my teaching on George Washington. And I'll tell you what, I've discovered so much more information about George Washington after I've done that, I could do another one with double the information. So, <laughs> I won't go down that, just listen to my teaching on that. I, but the problem is, there's a lot of things I'd like to do now. I get a lot of requests for teachings and sermons, and, and they're good requests. It's just that there's so many breaking current events right now, and I realize time is so limited, I just can't get to it all. I'm only one person, and literally trying to do everything. You know. And again, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ, I give them the credit. But it, it, there is limits on what one person uh, can do. So... Um, forgive me if, if I don't end up getting, you know, to those things. It's just that time's so short. Uh, going further, as a prelude of what is to come, the planned inaugural festivities, which begin on Sunday, which is today, will demonstrate the intended course of action of the incoming administration. Guised under the term diversity, on a number of occasions, the Obama-Biden team will display their support for homosexuality. We've already talked about that. We're going to talk about that more, though. An agenda it plans to advance during its tenure. Quote, we are one is the theme of the opening ceremony held Sunday at the Lincoln Memorial. We'll open with the prayer of openly homosexual, <sighs> homosexual Episcopal Bishop Gene Robinson. Isn't that disgusting? We are one. And how are we going to kick that off? We're going to have this openly flagrant Sodomite, Episcopal, carved in priestly clothing, a whitened sepulcher full of dead man's bones. 
giving the invocation, invoking as many demons as possible, we're going to have him kicking off, essentially, his presidency. Okay, because this is the foundation, right? This is where we lay the foundation of his presidency. How disgusting. What an abomination in the sight of God. Yeah, but he's going to be the guy for that. And he will undoubtedly infuse his invocation with references to desiring tolerance and acceptance of the homosexual lifestyle. Sadly, this week, Rick Warren of California, Saddleback Church, who will deliver the invocation at Tuesday's official inauguration, he released a statement applauding Obama's appointment of Robinson. Oh, well, he's, he's opposed to same-sex marriage. He would... He, he, no, no, uh-uh. He had soul force come into his church, the openly gay team that's trying to convert all the Christians went into uh, Smiley Joe Osteen's church in Texas, and then he went into Rick Warren's There's a whole bunch of churches he went into. I think T.D. T. Fakes, I mean Jake's. He went into his church too. The Soul Force. Yeah. I did a whole teaching on that. Just enter in soul, whatever, or homosexual, in the keyword box, you'll find it. Yeah, so um, Rick Warren issued a statement applauding Obama's appointment of Robinson, this openly gay, male, family-leaving, sodomite, uh, uh, alcoholic. He probably, you know, I I just can't believe this guy would have broke free of any sin pattern. I'm sorry. The old 12-step AA approach where he learned about the God of understandings, as he said. <sighs> Whatever. I don't endorse AA, okay, because you're not going to get saved in AA. And it's about man-centered. I'm not saying any, there's nobody that's ever benefited from AA, okay? I'm not saying that. But God used that in your life? Well, then, praise the Lord. Just understand, if you follow that logical route, you know, it's just going to be like lukewarm Christianity. So, yeah, Rick Warren, he, uh, he, he, he released an official statement applauding this, all in the name of in search of being in search of common ground. That's what Rick Warren says. He wants that common ground, that one world. Give me that one world religion. You know, there was that, there's that old song, give me that old time religion. Give me that one world religion. That's what they should change it to. This statement, in essence, that comprises, that uh, compromise with sin is good, is an abomination in the sight of God. It's like sin is called good. Calling evil good is the norm now. It's not... The, the Christians are the one that's evil. What are we talking about? I mean, right? That's what the world says. The Christians are the ones to blame. That's what it's going to come down to. They're the ones that are evil. In addition to Robinson, retired Methodist pastor, Dr. Joseph E. Lowry, an advocate of homosexual civil unions, will also participate in the official ceremony at the incoming administration's request. Imagine that. Dr. Lowry, who is who in 2000 signed the United Methodists of Color for full inclusion in the church. That's a quote. This is a statement which was in support of homosexuals and the clergy. This is good old doctor. This is this Reverend Joseph Lowry, the black Methodist civil rights activist. Yeah. He is scheduled to deliver the benediction nearing the close of the inauguration. There's another one. Obama, the Illuminati, all the people that orchestrated with this, 
wanted to make sure that this inauguration was as defiled and as large of an affront to God as they could possibly make it in so many ways. I'm only on the, I'm on the second page. Second page of this? That's all I'm on. I'm going to try to get through this today, but there's so much. I just can't keep my mouth shut about this. Going further, as well as the Lesbian and Gay Band Association will march in the inaugural parade. The Lesbian and Gay Band. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't even want to be around Washington, D.C. I'd be afraid what's going to happen. What if we started seeing some bibl- I mean, biblical type of things go on in judgment of sin? What if we started seeing fire and brimstone and stuff like that going on against wickedness? Do you think that would result in a positive or a negative outcome? Only positive. Whenever wickedness is judged in the Bible, it is always, always a positive thing. Ananias and Sapphira, when they died, what was the result? Many men saw and fear. Many were converted. Many were added to their number. There's no fear of God, though. That's the problem. God's let us have it our way for so long, and a man left to himself, to his own devices, he's only going to go into debauchery, sin, rebellion toward God. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, that's all he's going to do. Well, I don't know. I think we're going to see some of that. I do. I do. I'm not saying today, unless it be God's will, but this is why I talk about imprecatory prayers. See my my teaching on Psalm 64. Imprecatory prayers, a Christian's door of hope. God's judgment is a Christian's door of hope. God, if God didn't come back and judge this sin, there would be not, there, the Bible even talks about there wouldn't be any flesh saved. There would be no flesh spared if he didn't do that. He's perfectly capable of protect, protecting his remnant, but I'm just talking about if he left, if he let it go and he didn't do that. The only thing that will, that will ultimately purge this world of this wickedness is God's judgment. We view it as a negative thing, typically, as in Christianity. I really have a different take on God's judgment. When God judges you in your life, when God takes you through the fire, the furnace of affliction, you ever been in the furnace of affliction? I've been there once. It is the most agonizing, most unbelievably horrific thing I have ever been through, and it may not be anything compared to what I'm going to go through. But you know what? God is good. God is capable God can still supply my needs wherever I am and the safest place for me to be as a Christian is in the center of His will. The furnace of affliction is not a fun place. But what is the fruit of the furnace of affliction? Having your faith tried as gold in a fire? Talks about that in Revelation 3. Having your eyes anointed with eye salve that you may see? Or it talks about having, you know, as silver tried in... Well, that talks about that in the Word, the word of God. Um... Psalm 12, 6, and 7, for the words of, of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God's promised to preserve his word. And he talks about when things are tried, they're tried in the fire. Fire is never fun. It's, I'm telling you right now, it's not fun if you haven't been through it. But you will always come out of the fire. I mean, if you stay biblically true, because you could go into the fire and turn your back on God too. Okay, but that's not the mindset you need to have. The mindset you need to have is I'm never going to give up on God no matter what, ever. 
I am an overcomer. I have the faith, and it's the Lord through me, not me being big and Mr. Big and Bad, and I'm going to do it myself. But when you go through the fire, you'll come out, you'll be a better person. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But see, that's God's judgment. Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. What is a bastard? Oh, you said a bad word. No, I didn't. A bastard is a biblical word. It's an illegitimate son. You're not his kid. In other words, if you can live, and you live like the devil, and you've been doing it, and there's no conviction of sin, you have no conscience about it, and nothing bad's happening to you, you're not his kid. That's another evidence of salvation. There's a lot of evidences of salvation. Fruit of the Spirit, are you under chastisement? I mean, can you sin and sin and sin and nothing bad happens and you prosper in sin? <laughs> There's a lot of Christians I look at and they, and they <laughs> profess and they live like the devil. And they're so blind they can't see nothing. Nothing. Hypocrites. Total, total hypocrites. Don't see it. No chastisement whatsoever. Get away with it year after year. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I believe their conscience has been seared with a hot iron, is what it looks like to me. I pray to God they get saved, if it be possible. Whether they've crossed that line with God, I don't really know. I don't really know. That's between them and God. I believe there are going to be many that finally do get their eyes open when it starts to get bad here, in America and elsewhere. And I believe that... You know, if there's anything positive, or one of the things positive that's going to come out of this dark time that we're moving into, that's going to be one of them. Because there are people that will get right with the Lord. I do believe that. Okay? And I mean, hey, and if that was somebody that wasn't going to get right, if it didn't get bad, well then what does that mean? That means it ultimately ended up going to hell. So, everything compared to hell pales in comparison in this, in this life, if you really think about it. What can you compare to hell and then the lake of fire? What, what temporal suffering could you compare with that? that Jesus talks about, be not afraid of, the, of, of they that can you know, cast you into prison and, and kill the body. Be, be afraid of me. You can cast both body and soul into hell. How often do you think that's preached in the, uh, in the typical churches? Oh, that's not the God of love I serve. You're right. But the God you serve is a false God. Some made up God. Big guy in the sky or whatever you're thinking. And I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. So, the gay, the lesbian and gay band association will march in the inaugural parade, making the first time in American history for a group of this nature to be officially invited to participate in a presidential procession. You know what? We're going to look back. I was just telling Onetta this. We're going to look back and we're going to see how good we had it under Bush. I'm not justifying Bush because I preached against him or taught against him, you know, for eight years. The fruit. I got a whole attack. In fact, Cutting Edge. Go up to CuttingEdge.org. Go to the left side of the webpage and scroll down and click on the fruits of Bush if you think he's a godly man. And you, you tell me how, if he is a born-again Christian, how he could have produced such horrific fruit. Matthew seven sixteen through 24. Apply this to Bush, apply this to Obama, apply this to the gay bishop, or whoever. You shall know them by their fruits. That's one of the ways you know if a person is truly saved or not. Okay? Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. 
But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. If we're not talking about evil fruit today, I don't know what we're talking about. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Does that mean a good tree is going to be sinlessly perfected and never ever... No. Okay? But we don't sin that grace may abound either. Okay? Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Even if they appear to bring forth good fruit, it's still corrupt in God's eyes. It's fake. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. That doesn't sound really good to me. Okay, oh no, we're saved by works. I didn't say that. I did not say that. Works follow faith. Okay, you have to make that distinction. Works follow faith. And then the Bible does talk about those that, that you know, take the Lord's Supper unworthily. And they've got, they've got all kind of sin in their life. They take the Lord's, and it says many have fallen asleep. And in the Bible, in that terms, many have died or become sick. Okay, I don't believe that meant they weren't saved, but they were, they were chastened by God to the point, and they took of the Lord's Supper unworthily, and they ended up dying. God could take you out. Do you realize He can kill you? Even if you are saved, if you're not living right? He could kill you. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is scary stuff. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Do you know how many Pentecostals I think about? Oh, brother, I got a word of the Lord from you. And they, and you know, how many, I was in that for like three or four years and they'd give me that word of the Lord and then I'd act on it and find out they never heard from God. I don't ever remember one time that I was ever given a personal prophecy that I acted on that, that I believe they heard from the Lord. Ever. Not once. I get very leery of people telling me, well, I hear the voice of God audibly. Oh, evidently 24-7? Well, you know what? I believe I need the word of God. And whatever you believe you're hearing, if you believe it's the word of God... You're hearing from God. I had a lady this week email me about. It. She got it was it was like this real sanctimonious type of email. Who is Jesus to you? These types of questions. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, my Lord and Savior. Without Him, I am nothing. I am but dung. All I deserve is death and hell apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what He is to me. Just real sanctimonious, like trying, but you could tell she's trying to paint me into a corner, you know. But do you hear God's voice? The Holy Spirit. These types of questions. And really what it boiled down to with her was the fact that, yes, the Bible is the Bible, but do you hear his word? Do, do, do you audibly, it was almost like, do I audibly hear his voice 24-7? I have the word of God, Okay? And it so much reminded me of when I was in the Pentecostal church, because there's so many people, particularly women in the Pentecostal church, that say they hear from God and this and that, and yet these are some of the most deceived people I have ever been around in my life. I'm not saying I don't love them. There are many, particularly, and I don't mean love them in like a, any type of out of the way, I'm talking about love them like a mother type of thing. A lot of them I really did. 
But you couldn't tell them anything. They were good at giving you counsel, though. Oh, God told me this and God told me that. But you know what? When I stepped back from the whole thing and I looked at it and I said, you know what? What I don't understand is if they're hearing so clearly from God, why in the world are they so deceived about this, 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 this? And I tried to show them and they had no desire. None. Because see, the problem is, is when you think you're hearing from God 24-7, you start thinking, I'm something. Look at me. You may not admit that, but deep down, most of the time, unless you're an extremely humble person, an extremely meek person, you will get full of pride. I've purposed in my heart that all I need is the Word of God. All I need is the King James Bible. That's it. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled where? In heaven. Thy word is settled in heaven. And I told her, I said, you know, whatever you are hearing, it better line up with the word of God. Because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, you're not hearing from God. And it just turned out to be a very, very sanctimonious type of thing. You know, we ultimately ended up getting nowhere. I just kept quoting scripture to her. and she was She was mad about it. She was mad about it. She's be, it's almost like she's, she's went beyond scripture. She's went beyond the scriptures. Very, very dangerous place to be. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? <laughs> Can't tell you many Pentecostals. Look in the Bible. Prophesied in thy name. And in thy name have cast out devils. Very, very prevalent in, in the Pentecostal you know, people casting out devils, things like this. I'm not saying that's not biblical. I'm saying that it, I've seen a lot of it, okay? And some of the most deceived people I've ever seen in my life are the ones that do it. That's what's scary. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Works. They've done many. Oh, that's fruit. It wasn't fruit that was bore the right way. It was born apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. These are people I believe that ne they never were saved, ever. Well, why would you say they were never saved? Here, I'm going to tell you why. Next verse. And then I will press, profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. He didn't say, well, I knew you for a month, and then you lost your salvation. Oh, now we could go down that trail. I never knew you. He never knew them. They were never saved. The Holy Spirit never ever was actually indwelling. They were never born again. Then he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, he views all that they did as iniquity, as sin. They said, we did all these wonderful things. Look at me. I'm works-based. Whether it's a radical Pentecostal or a radical Catholic keeping the seven sacraments or whatever. There's a lot of pseudo-sects of Christianity that do all these things in the name of God. And they're sincere, but unfortunately, they're sincerely wrong. Ye that work iniquity. He views it as iniquity. They viewed it as, a, I was, as this wonderful good thing. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Okay, again, I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to anyone else. I'm not up here acting, thinking that I'm Mr. Whatever, be-all, end-all. and I'm, the, I'm not the standard. The standard is the Word of God, not me.
So if we go further in regard to this, um, <clears throat> let's see here. The oh, this lesbian and gay band are going to march in the inaugural parade, first time in American history. Members of the association took to the streets of New York last year in celebration of the Halloween festivities. Oh, isn't that appropriate? The lesbian and gay band. Uh, they coupled with their annual conference entitled Deliciously Wicked. That's what their conference was entitled. Hey, hey they're, they're not trying to pull any punches. I'll give them that. They're not trying to hide it. The group plans to participate in the notorious Southern Decadence Festival this fall, nicknamed the Gay Mardi Gras. I saw pictures of this one time, and they, were, they weren't even any, there was really no nudity, but they were still even inappropriate, pretty much. I cannot stand to see two guys kiss. I'm so that just oh that is so disgusting to me. I I'm sorry. It is just I don't understand it. I don't understand. I understand. I don't. I just don't understand. I'm sorry. I don't. Then it says, which in the past has been known for extreme public lewdness and indecency. President-elect Barack Obama stated, quote, Vice President-elect Biden and I are proud to have them join us in this parade, end of quote. They're proud. God's word declares that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. How appropriate is that verse? Yet, the incoming administration exalts unrighteousness and demonstrates their belief in sin is to be celebrated. As the Lord prepares me to preach in the open... Now, this is from Repent America. Uh, Michael Markavage is writing this. Uh, as the Lord prepares me to preach in open air to the masses that will be gathering for the celebration. Well, thank God. I mean, I'm not saying he's the only one that's going to be there, but thank God. You know, there are going to be people there doing this. Can you imagine how much persecution this guy's going to have to go under? He's probably going to be thrown in jail first hour. You need to pray for him. He says, I am grieving for our nation which continues to rebel against Almighty God. <clears throat> According to change.gov, now listen to this. Change.gov, remember, that's his motto, change. Okay. The official website of President-elect... The administration lists that several of its goals, once in office, will be to, number one, or, or at least among them, quote, repeal the Defense of Marriage Act. That means that everybody, everywhere, in every single state is going to be able to get that homosexual union so they can shack up legally. That's going to be one of the main priorities. You know, the, the, the economy's totally collapsing. It's been, and it's going to continue until the Amero is instituted and the North American Union comes in. It's all by design. But you would think there would be bigger priorities to worry about than that. But when you're of your father, the devil, that is a priority. Then, in the military's, quote, don't ask, don't tell policy against openly homosexual persons being in the military to repeal that as well. So we got to have the gays in the military, and we got to have, you know, repeal the defensive marriage. This is the fruit that we're seeing from this corrupt devil. Then, also to expand adoption rights for homosexual couples. I mean, what better, what better uh, 
environment for a child to grow up in, an adopted child, than to have daddy and daddy raising you, or mommy and mommy. Heinz commercial, Heinz ketchup had a commercial recently, and they took it off very quick, where it had these two guys. One guy looked like, um, it was an Al Pacino. Oh, I forget what his name is. He's one of those guys that always plays in, in the in the New York Mafia gangster movies. Forget his name. But anyway, they had a guy that looked just like him in the kitchen, making the sandwich. Kid comes in. I don't know. It was a little girl, I think. You know, a little girl and a little boy, I think. And, and you know, they, they kiss, you know. He's acting like mommy, but he's making the sandwiches, okay? Okay, now I understand if if... if he was doing that, getting his kids off for school. Okay, that's one thing. But then his lover comes in, or his husband, or whatever it is, and also gives him a kiss right on the lips. Right on, I watched the thing. It was totally disgusting. I'm sorry, but it is disgusting. It is an abomination. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. If homosexuals were left unto themselves, how could, would we would be would we be fruitful and multiply? How is that possible? You can't do it. It's unnatural. It's ungodly, and God's judgment is upon. It. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Remember how I said the wicked will not live out half their days? The average lifespan of a gay male right now in America is forty years old. It's probably less than that in, in some other countries, particularly Africa. 40 years old. That's the fruit of it. That's what I told my mom. Well, that's real good fruit there. Yeah, God's blessed them. They live to be 40 years old. Whereas the average lifespan of a just normal person is what? 77, 78, depending if you're male or female. What if you factor in the gays that die at 40 years old, though? That would probably bump them up to around 80 years old. The wicked will not live out half their days, it says in the Proverbs. Well, last time I checked, 40 was half of 80. You, you understand where I'm going with this? God's word is true. That's all I'm saying. There is a price to pay for wickedness and sin. And, and let me tell you, that applies if you're a born-again Christian or not. You, if, you, if you sin as a born-again Christian, God will chasten you. Guaranteed. It may not be that second, but... <laughs> You know, it might be, sometimes, I'm convinced, sometimes he kind of stores things up and then lets you have it all at once. And sometimes it's right then. It, it, and it, again, that's the Lord's doing. So, this, these are his goals once he gets into office. Expand adoption rights for homosexual couples. Oppose a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage. And expand hate crime statutes at the federal level. Now, that's the one that's really going to impact somebody like me or whoever's speaking out against this as a Christian. I've been talking about these hate crimes, just keying the word hate on my keyword search box on my homepage. Expand the hate crime statutes at a federal level. It's going to be a federal crime. Talked about this. Federal prison. And, and, the, and the sentences are so disproportionate that they're going to hand out for these supposed hate crimes... So disproportionate compared to all these other heinous crimes that happen. But, oh, God forbid, if you speak out against sin now, you'll be convicted of a hate crime and you will do hard time. 
the latter of which, if signed into law, could be used to criminalize Christians who share the gospel with homosexuals. What about if you speak out against it like I'm doing right now? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Well, all i got to say, if they come get me, they're going to have to get through God. God lets them take me, then may his will be done. May his will be done. But you know what? He might not let that happen. I'm serious. I really think in the times we're moving into, I think that we're going to have, I think we're going to see some new supernatural things happen. I really do. I don't think God is just going to sit back and let his remnant be destroyed. And a lot of people out there right now, I, I listen to their things, uh, that, that, that interview I put out, there was some good, inter, there was some good information that interview I put out with Steve Quayle the other day with that, uh, one guy. But the thing is, is they talk like, God is non-existent almost, in some regards, in regard to God's protective hand, God's ability to, ability to intervene in a situation. It's almost like a foregone conclusion. They're just going to come in and they're going to blow us all away. They're going to declare martial law and they're going to come in and they're going to kill us all. God is not going to let ever, his remnant be just destroyed. God is perfectly capable of... And see, that was what I don't like is when that is never even mentioned or discussed. Because if that is your mindset, that's not a mindset of faith. That is a mindset of fear of man. And I don't really agree. I think you have to have balance when you talk about these subjects. Let's have balance. The Lord Jesus Christ is capable of protecting His whole remnant all the way through. Now it's not going to happen. Because we know in the Bible that there's going to be Many that are that are beheaded for their witness of Jesus Christ. They didn't take the mark of the beast. And that may be my fate. It may be your fate. I don't really know. That may be soon. It may be a lot later. I'm talking about... I mean, do you know how many people have died just this last hundred years on the earth for the witness of Jesus Christ in Africa, in China, and a lot of... The, and then you don't hear about any of this stuff? They've already died. They're already gone. They've already paid the price. They've already given all they could give. They're, they're dead. And they may have been tortured up to that point. Am I better than they? I don't think so. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just... But let's have balance when we talk about the subject. So, um, he wants to expand hate crime statutes at federal level. Uh, President-elect Obama has also unabashedly declared himself to be a staunch supporter of Roe versus Wade. Uh, let me see here. Roe versus Wade. You, you know, when they, when they legalized abortion. Presenting a continued threat against the right to life. As a senator, Obama maintained a, cons a consistent record of flagrantly opposing legislation intending to save life of an unborn child. He wants to kill these kids any way he can. But they just idolize him like he's a god. How sickening. Such as his work with Planned Parenthood to kill the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. I've talked about that before. That's if an infant is born alive after they try to abort it. you got to kill it anyway. you got to do whatever you can do to kill that baby. Man, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. He may, he may be highly esteemed among men now, but he is an abomination in the sight of God. He is going to burn in the lake of fire forever unless he gets right with God. And I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sorry. I think people at that level are soul sold out to Satan and Lucifer and they are of their father the devil. They have crossed that line so long ago. 
Now, maybe I'm wrong about some of them. I don't know. I hope I am. I hope I am. I'm just, I'm looking at fruit here. And his fruit is as corrupt as you could get. Obama has already uh, vowed that one of his first legislative efforts as president will be to sign the Freedom of Choice Act, which is Senate 1173. If signed into law, the act would repeal hundreds of federal and state restrictions on abortions and could force physicians and hospitals to perform the procedure or else close their practices because of their pro-life convictions. People are going to be tested. They're going to be tested, particularly if you haven't come out of the system. If you're in that system and you're making a living off that system, you're going to be tested in that system, most likely. And that goes for the 501c3 church, too. Pastors, they're going to they're be forced to make some hard decisions. Are they going to serve God? Are they going to serve man? Are they going to serve the government? Choose whom this day, who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As Joshua said, <clears throat> President-elect's resolutes stand against the appointment of pro-life judges to the Supreme Court bench is also of equal concern. Speaking on this issue at a Planned Parenthood gathering in 2007, he actually goes to the Planned Parenthood gatherings. He declared, quote, it is time for a different attitude in the White House. It is time for a different attitude in the Supreme Court. It is time to turn the page and write a new chapter in American history. However, this new chapter will not be penned without the outspoken voices of those who will take a stand for righteousness. How, what a sick, twisted thing to say. However, this new chapter will not be penned without an outspoken voices who will stand for righteousness. He views standing with Planned Parenthood as a stand for righteousness. I mean, that, 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 that's just, that's, you can't even conceive of that. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That's all I can really think. Although our nation continues to deviate further into darkness as disciples of Jesus Christ, now this is back to Repent America, we are the light. I agree. We must shine brightly in the days ahead. The incoming Obama administration must be confronted with the truth of God's word. As we pray for all those in authority to do what is right. Well, I'd love to think that they were, but... Not to say we don't need to pray that way, okay? But I'm just... Repent America will begin its inauguration outreach activities in Philadelphia this Saturday. So they started yesterday. <clears throat> now they've been arrested many times because they don't mess around. So praise the Lord for them. I pray you, you pray for Repent America. Uh, this Michael Markovich and uh, God bless them. Godspeed, God bless them. I pray God's angels encamp around about them and that the fear of God be upon anyone that would oppose them in any way, shape, or form. And that the Lord Jesus Christ would use them mightily, mightily at this event. As the President-elect's whistle-stop tour makes its way from Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C., the ministry calls upon American citizens during this time to join with them in fasting and prayer. I agree. Not only for the inaugural ceremonies, but also for the future of our nation. So I'm going to go ahead and end there because my battery is going to die here and I need to replace my batteries and we're going to go to part three next.